Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing? Well, this side of the sanctuary is doing well. This side I'm a little worried about, but anyway. Um, We are starting a new sermon series today called Stone-Faced. And yes, I'll explain what that means. Um, We did have a great week last week. We had um, 35 or 36, I believe, that were baptized. And, you know, we've had weeks where we've had more than that. But, man, there was something, something was going on. It was really cool seeing all the the family things that were going on. There were um, uh, dads that were helping to baptize their sons. Um, husbands and wives getting baptized together, whole families getting baptized together. And, and one of the coolest things I saw was a, um, a son helping to baptize his father, and that happened in one of the services. And, um, you know, there's something, I love baptisms. You know, it's, a, it's symbolic, and it's a, it's a statement from the person being baptized that, you know, Jesus has done something in their heart, and they're beginning a, a new life. And it's it's... You know, not only did I enjoy getting to, to watch the baptisms, but, you know, from where I was at, I got to see the looks on the faces of, of some who were having, you know, sons and daughters and, and loved ones being baptized. And that, that's something that just never gets old to me, that I love being able to watch. And, you know, I, I love the direction of our church. I love the way that we're going. Um, and for those of you who are joining us online, I, I love that part of it, too. You know, last week we had nearly 500 people that, that joined us online, and that's something um, that's new for us in the last few years, and we're still trying to figure out how to, um, you know, make the most and to utilize that, but we, we want to welcome those folks that are joining us online, and they're part of our church family too, and hope that, you know, maybe you're, you're just away this week or someday you'll be able to come and, and uh, visit us in person, and so we pray for those folks, and uh we appreciate all that you did to bring people here last week uh, to hear the gospel. And man, it was just a, a great week. And one of the things I firmly believe about the direction of our church is that the, the, where we're at now is because of decisions that we've made over the, you know, this church made even before I got here. You know, those, all those decisions built and, and determined our direction. And we're very conscious as a church of the fact that decisions that we make now determine our direction of where we're going down the road. And, you know, the, one of the things about that is that's true for all of us. You know, where you're at now is, is determined by the decisions that you made, you know, 5, 10, a year ago, or, or 30 years ago. You know, those decisions all led you to this place. And you might like the direction that your life is going in. You might hate it. And... and that's what we want to talk about is what, what can we do to determine the direction of our lives, of our church, and, and everything going forward. And all of us, I bet there's some area of life that we wish the direction was going a little bit differently. Um, and, and most of the time, that's determined by our decisions. You know, the, the quality of our life, the direction of our life is determined by our decisions. And so we have a choice whether we're going to, you know, accept responsibility for where we're at. Now, obviously, there are certain things that are out of our control. You know, there are decisions that other people make that affect us. There are things that happen that we didn't choose. But we get to choose how we respond to that 
and what we do with it going forward. And so that's what we want to talk about is making decisions. Decisions determine directions. And the other part of that is that, that directions can be a block to God's blessings if we make bad decisions. And so we want to make better decisions. We want to talk about that. But one of the things I want us to recognize is, you know, just like that picture of baptism, that is true for all of us, that every day is a new day. You know, every day is a new opportunity to serve God and to make better decisions moving forward. And so this is not about um, feeling guilty about decisions you made in the past. We need to learn from that, recognize it, and move on. But it's about making better decisions going forward. So we're going to start in Isaiah 43, uh, verses 18 and 19. And that's, that's one of the blessings of being a follower of Christ, is that his, nurse, his mercies are new every day. And so I want to read to you Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. It says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Thank you. You may be seated. So even if you feel like that you're in a wilderness or a dry wasteland or you're not sure what to do, we want to talk about the decisions that can help us. And the decisions that you make today are either going to put you in a place to be blessed by God and be um, used by God, or some of the decisions that we make can keep us from that. You know, we get to make decisions new every day, but we're not free from always the effect of the decisions that we've made. You know, if you've been robbing banks for the last 10 years, and you decide, you know, this is, I'd like, I think I'd like to try this, the other side of it. I think I want to be, you know, maybe a police officer. That might not be an option because of your past career. You understand what I'm saying? So there are decisions that we make that determine what our possibilities are in the future. And how it can be blessing blockers is this. I want to read to you, and this is an overcurring, uh, always occurring theme in the Old Testament of God speaking to his people. I want to read to you Psalm 81, 11 through 16. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. Do you catch what the Father is saying? He's saying, you keep making these decisions. I'm going to let you make them because God gives us the will. He gave us the will and the ability to choose on our own. But he said, look, you keep making these decisions and you're keeping me from blessing you. He said, if you would just listen, if you just follow my path, make decisions along this line, he says, look, I'd take care of your enemies. I'd provide for you the finest wheat. I'd give you wild honey from the rock. Honey wasn't something that people had to have to live on. That was a blessing on top of that. So God's saying, if, you, if you'd make different decisions, if you'd listen to me, these are the things that I want to do for you. And sometimes the decisions that we make block us from being blessed by God. You know, people think, oh, well, you know, I can live however I want. God's going to give me 
a blessing. That's not how it works. You know what God blesses? Obedience. You know, people think, well, if I do this great big thing for God, then he'll bless me. That's not what God says. He doesn't desire sacrifice. He just desires blessed obedience. Follow what he says. Do his will according to his word. It's really that simple. And yet we make these decisions that keep us from being blessed, keep us from being used by God. Do you like the direction of your life? Or is there an area in your life that you don't like the direction of it? I want us to look at why is it that we make bad decisions? Well, one of those is just we make too many decisions because there's too many options. You know, we, we make all these decisions every day about hundreds of things. And, you know, there are so many things now that you have decisions to make that you didn't before. I bet if we added up all the, the things, the hours that we spent Googling different information so we could make a decision, it would probably, it might even equal thousands of hours. Who knows? Because we're, we're constantly trying to make all these decisions. You know, what I really wish is instead of me going to Amazon saying, hey, I'm looking for a new shirt, it's like you keep thinking, well, on the next page will be one I like better. There'll be one I like better on the next. You just keep going and going and going. I wish I could go somewhere where it would say, here's three shirts. That's all there are. Pick one. Be done. But we just make too many decisions. You know, when I was growing up back in the pioneer days, you'd pull your covered wagon up to McDonald's, and there were like three options. And you couldn't make, you couldn't say, well, I don't want this. It was, you take it the way we give it to you, or you don't get it. And if you didn't want onions, you had to pick them off with your fingers. I mean, that's what you did. You couldn't say, I don't want onions on it. They'd say, well, that's why I make it. That was it. And now you go up there, and it takes people 43 hours to order. Because oh, I want this and that. I want that on it. I want this on it. I want blah. And I'm like, man, just say number three. Supersize or not, I don't care, but just pick a number and go with it. It takes forever to order stuff. It takes forever to choose because we have all these decisions to make. There's so many things. And I want to talk to you in a minute about how we can reduce the number of decisions that we make. The other thing is, is that we, we, we have this illusion of control. that We want to control all these decisions, and we'll be able to control the things that are around us. You know, Jesus, when he came to, to the home of Mary and Martha, Martha comes up to him and says, Jesus, would you tell my sister to help me because I'm doing all the work? And Jesus said, Karen, Karen. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, you, you have this picture of Mary, and she's trying to make everybody happy. And that's sometimes what we do with our decisions. We think we can make everybody happy. And you know what, what Excuse me, Martha was doing? That. You know what Mary was doing? She was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's just sitting there at his feet listening. And you know what? Which one was making the right choice? Jesus told her. You're worried about all these things. And here's the thing is we get worried about all these things, and we make decisions about all these things, and we can try to gather all this information about all these decisions that just don't matter. And we neglect the things that do. And so I want to talk to you about in a minute about how to Reduce the number of decisions that you make. 
Another reason we make bad decisions is we make decisions based on feelings, about how we feel about something. You know, there's all kinds of things you hear out in the world. Well, just live your truth or follow your heart. It's the worst advice ever. Your feelings are not a good determination about making a wise decision. And yet we make those all the time, don't we? You know what the Bible says about that? It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Your heart will deceive you over and over again. It'll cause you to overlook things because you've seen something that, that really speaks to you that you want. And it'll cause you to overlook all kinds of warning signs, red flags right in front of your face. Just ignore all of that because you got the feels and you want it. Or there's some guy or some girl and, and man, they, oh man, it just made my heart flutter. And there's all these things saying, hey, this, this is not the right one. But you'll ignore it all because of that little flutter. And you, maybe you think you can fix them. And you can make them the way you want them to be, but it doesn't work that way. We make all these decisions based on emotion. And here's one of the problems. A lot of times we make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Now, I'm not saying that emotion is not a part of it a lot of times. You know, when you, when you meet that person that you're going to marry and you fall in love, is there emotion? Absolutely. Let me tell you how I know this girl that had a, a list about what she was looking for in a marriage. And it was detailed, you know, love, love Jesus, all these different things. And one of the things on there even was because she was born with a name that was like almost at the end of the alphabet. And I don't know, you know, when we went to school, when I went to school, if you were at the bottom of the alphabet, you were last in everything. Y'all remember that? You had to sit in the very back corner, and everything was alphabetical and whatever. And she prayed that God would give her somebody that was at the beginning of the alphabet so that her kids wouldn't have to deal with that or whatever. And she met this guy named Bond and married him. That was my wife. She had a list. And here's the deal. Did we fall in love? Absolutely. But she checked through that list to make sure I, I met those deals. Thank goodness I wasn't, you know, like, Wartburg or something like that. I would never, I wouldn't be married to her. <laughs> that was kind of a joke. But anyway, she checked through that list because she wanted to make sure. And then, you know what? Once she knew that, we moved ahead. She knew what the kind of man that God wanted her to marry. And she wouldn't allow her emotions to overcome that. Now, she'd tell you the, the, the name thing, whatever was kind of silly. But isn't it amazing that even though, you know, that, that's not what she would have made a decision about based on. She wouldn't have based her decision on that. But isn't that cool that she wanted to honor God with the way she chose her husband and God even met some of those that really didn't matter? I mean, I think that's kind of neat and kind of awesome. And that's the thing. It's when we really want our decisions to honor God you'll be amazed at how God will fill in some of those other things that maybe aren't the deal breakers, but that's how God is. is he gives good gifts. And hey, I was a good gift. I'm just saying that to my wife. Y'all tell her that when you see her. You just say. <coughs> I'm still trying to convince her that on some days. But anyway, 
we make permanent decisions a lot of times on temporary emotions. The, the evening news is filled with people that allow their emotions to control their actions. If you go, th- you're like, man, why in the world would you, would you do that? Well, we've all had moments like that where we can look back and go, man, why in the world did I do that? It's because we let our emotions determine our actions. And so don't make decisions based on feelings. Sometimes we don't make decisions because we're afraid we're going to make the wrong decision. Well, what if I mess this up? What if I, what if I you know, choose the wrong? What if I take the wrong job? What if I do this or I do that? And you know what? We, we worry so much that sometimes it makes us indecisive. And indecision is a decision. We get caught up in all the choices or, or just we want, to, we want to make sure we make the perfect decision. You don't have to make the perfect decision. Here's what you have to do is commit your ways to God and do your best to make a decision that you feel like God's leading you in and the big things in life or that honors him. God doesn't care whether you like vanilla or chocolate ice cream. All right? But here's the deal. So I'm not saying, you know, you got to go around every single thing. You want to make sure when you're making life decisions, God, I want, to, I want a decision that honors you. And you strive for that. And you know what? Even if you were to make a mistake one time, but you were trying to honor God, I think God would honor that, don't you? We see all the time through Scripture where God has compassion on his people and has mercy. But the problem is not really that well, I just, you know, I may have misread God's will. It's that we just don't think about God's will a lot of times when we should. But here's what it says in Psalm 23, 3 through 4. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You see, here's that deal. He guides me along right paths. Guides me along the right path. You know, we're so worried about decisions that we may have to make five years from now when the key is you make decision, decision that honors God tomorrow and then the day after that and the day after that. You don't have to worry about five years. You'll be in the right spot. You'll be in the right place because he'll lead you along right paths. And don't get caught up in indecision. You know what one of the biggest reasons why people are in, indecisive about decisions it's because they want to see what the results are going to be first. They want to have a picture of what it's going to cost them or what it's not. There's a passage in 1 Kings where Elijah's been telling the people, y'all keep messing around. You're not following God. You're kind of halfway following Baal and halfway following God, and it's not going to work. And so he set up this big, there was a big contest and a conflict between Elijah by himself and the 400 priests of Baal. And they were going to have it out. And he told all the people to come and be there and see it. And then when he gets there, he tells them this in 1 Kings 18, 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people were completely silent. Why were they silent? They wanted to see what happened. They wanted to see who won. And see, we're, we spend too much time, if you're going to wait tomorrow and kind of say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus, but I want to see what it costs me today. I, I want to do the right thing, but I want to see if, you know, what it looks like, what the consequences might be. 
how it might turn out. And then I'm going to make my decision. Indecision is a decision. And here's the deal. You know what? The very first passage I read to you, or maybe it was a second, I don't remember, in, in Psalms where it talked about, if my people would just follow me, if you just do what I told you to do, here's what he tells them. Then you wouldn't have to worry about the consequences. I'd take care of them. You wouldn't have to worry about your enemies, the things you're worried about now. You wouldn't have to worry about what you were going to eat or whether you'd have enough. I would take care of that. But we spend too much time trying to decide whether we're going to follow God based on what we think the consequences might be. And then we're going to decide, well, I don't know that it's really worth it. Guess what? You're never going to follow God if you do that. Here's what he told him. He said, why do you hesitate? Why are you wavering? Hey, if you think the things of the world are going to be the best option for you, then follow it. But if you believe that God's the one who has your best interests at heart, that he's the one who sent his son to die on the cross for you, and that he's the one who's promised you, you just follow me and I'll take care of the rest of that stuff. Then follow him. Here's what we have to do. How do we make good decisions? The first thing we do is we become stone-faced. What do I mean by that? Isaiah 57. This is going to be the, the theme. We're going to do a whole series. We're going to talk next week about making good decisions in the face of temptation or to stay away from it. We're going to talk about making decisions in those things that are big decisions in life, and it may not be a clear-cut good or bad. Maybe you're not sure, but you want to know God's will. We're going to talk about all those things. But the first thing you have to do is be stone-faced. Isaiah 57, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. See what the author did? He said, look, no matter what comes, I'm going to do God's will. If it comes up tomorrow and, and I have to make a choice at my work to follow and do the things of God, and maybe it costs me my job, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God. I've already decided it. I've pre-decided what I'm going to do. And that's one of the best ways. You know, if you wait till you're in the moment to make a decision, that's where we often make wrong decisions, isn't it? Now, you can't dream up every possibility. I get that. But if you're determined, hey, no, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to honor Him in my decisions. Then there's lots of decisions you don't have to make. It's already made. It's already decided. And it's already done. I have set my face like a stone determined to do His will. Choose today what you will do tomorrow. Choose today what you're going to do tomorrow. You know, too many people think that they can go through life and just kind of live two lives or compartmentalize their lives. Well, you know, I got work me, and then there's sports guy me, and then there's dad me, and then there's, you know, wife me, and then there's, you know, mom me, dad, whatever it is. And I can just be, you know, what I need to be in those certain situations. The problem is that you're not, when you're not united in your values and in your purpose, 
you're going to make different decisions. You know what that makes you? A hypocrite. An actor in a play. Somebody that's pretending based on the situation that you're in or who you're around. And that's not a genuine, true person. Be who God created you to be and choose today what you will do tomorrow. Joshua says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He says, choose this day who you will serve. You know, there's too many that think they can just go about life and do it however they want. That they can have vacations. Well, this is me over here, and then this is me over there. And you know what? There's this whole thing going around now about, well, you deserve it. You deserve to just, you know, go and do whatever you want. You know what they're saying? Hey, you deserve a day or two or a weekend or a week where you can just go sin as much as you want. Nobody will care. It's a sin weekend, kind of like tax-free. Ain't no such thing. There really isn't. You know, they even make movies about it. I don't even get it. It's just bizarre to me. This whole, okay, well, hey, you know what? Husbands and wives, hey, you take this weekend. You can go, you know, you can go sleep whoever you want to, and I'm going to do We're going to call it a, a, a break, a marriage vacation. You're either married or you're not. Now, do people make mistakes? Sure. But I, I just cannot even imagine why somebody would think that was okay. It's not okay. You made, you know what, when you got married, you may have done it for the just peace. I don't care who you did it, but marriage is from God. It ain't from the state, it's from God. And when you stood up and made vows to your husband and wife, you were you were making them to saying it to them, but you were vowing before God. You made a vow before God to love them, to cherish them, to honor them, to forsake all, all others for them. Do you think you can go, hey, God, you know, I know I did that. I'm going to forsake all others, but I'm going to need a week. That's not how it works. When you chose to profess faith in Jesus, you confessed him as Lord. That means a different kind of life. And guess what? Here's the whole, uh, you know what? Man, you should not let me have any fun. Let me tell you what. Following God is, is, is it hard? Absolutely. But it's not a chore. It's a blessing. And blessings come as a result of obedience. You know, people think, well, if you go do this big thing, then God will bless you. It's obedience. There are blessings for obedience. Choose today what you will do tomorrow. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until you're in the moment. And don't use an excuse, oh, you know what, you deserve this. You deserve to go do this. You deserve to go sin and, and violate the commands of God. Would you be willing to tell that to Jesus, the one who died on the cross? Because that's what you're doing. I don't mean to sound harsh, but this is serious business. Hey, I know you died on the cross for my sins, but I just need a week to go sin for free. Is that all right with you? Choose today. Don't worry about decisions you don't have to make. 
when you've chosen to follow God, you don't have to worry about those decisions. Hey, am I going to am I going to be faithful to my wife? I've already made that decision to, to follow God. Am I going to, you know, curse somebody tomorrow? I've already made that decision. I've chosen to follow God. Am I going to lie tomorrow to get ahead in business? I've already made that decision. I've chosen to follow God, and God tells me the lines of sin. And that telling the truth honors him. So I've already made that decision. Those things are decided. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to decide them. You've already decided them. Now, I get it. We make mistakes. And when we make a mistake, we don't blame it. Well, if they hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have had to lie. No, you choose. You chose. Take responsibility for your decisions. Own up to it and move on. That's what following Christ is, is about. It's not about being perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But choose to follow him or don't, one or the other. The part about don't worrying about decisions you don't have to make, how much time do you spend being fearful or worrying about something that hadn't happened yet? Well, what, if the, what if the economy tanks? What if, you know, what if my company shuts down? What if this happens? What, if that, what am I going to do then? I need to decide what I'm going to do then. What am I going to do then? Hey, you know what Jesus said? Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. How much time do we spend worrying about stuff that never happens? That's just fear. So stop worrying about things that haven't happened. Now, am I saying that, oh, well, hey, I'm going to go spend all my money. Hey, I'm not saying it's not a, a good idea to save money, to be responsible, to do it. Those are all good ideas. But don't let the fear of what might happen keep you from living the day to its fullest. That's what Jesus came for. I've come that you might have life and might have it to the full. So don't worry about decisions you don't have to make. You don't have to make a decision about what's right and wrong. You know, I, I don't know how people, that's one of the things that just amazes me is, the, is churches that have decided this part of the Bible is not true, that part's not true, or whatever, or this part doesn't apply. Man, that, was, that is exhausting. Absolutely exhausted. You know why? Because once you decide one thing ain't true, you got to go in there and figure out all of it. Well, then why isn't this? Why is this true? I don't like that sin. I don't like that that's a sin. So why is that one? It's easy when you accept that God is God and I'm not, and neither are you, and that God's the one who's determines right and wrong and what sin is and what's not. It makes life so much easier. I don't care what. The president says, or anybody else in this country says about this being right or that being right, or no, this isn't real, this is the way it's, I don't care what they say. God's already stated it. I don't have to spend any time worrying about whether or not something's right or wrong. It's pretty clear in the scripture. So don't make, don't worry about decisions that you don't have to make. God's either God or he's not. And if he's not God, then you've decided to be God and I can tell you, I've tried that before, and I stink as God. And it is a lot of hassle. And I didn't do it very well, and it, it's, I don't want that pressure anymore, man. I don't. You don't want to be God. Don't worry about decisions you don't have to make. Trust that God, God's God. He says, don't do this, then don't do it. And don't worry about stuff that hasn't happened. Now, how do you make right decisions? Those three things I just told you. And then you also, you got, you got to be determined. 
Proverbs 16.3, determine what you will do before the moment of decision. There's nothing wrong. I, I'm not, I know I told you not to worry about things, but it's also not a bad idea to say, hey, you know, if this circumstance came up, what would I do? You know, if this opportunity came, how would I approach that? What would I do? Determine and be determined. Proverbs 16.3, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And see, here's one of the problems that a lot that we, we all run into it one time or another. Is we have, if somebody came up and says, hey, what, what's most important to you in life? We could easily cite it. Oh, you know, it's God, family, church, you know, then whatever else, my work, whatever else. We, you, we could all go through that list. But here's the deal. Are we really living what we say our values are. And see, once you've defined and you remind yourself, you know, what, what is most important to me? What are my values? Then that makes decisions easier. Does this decision go along with what my values state? Or not? And there's a lot of people, you know, you can go out and find hundreds of people say, oh yeah, it's, you know, God, you know, faith, family, God, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. Family, work, whatever. But here's the deal. Are you living out those values? Because if you're not living them out, then you don't really value them like you say you do. And so we want to make sure that our decisions actually reflect our values. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm working. I, hadn't, I don't get to spend much time with my family. Hey, that happens on occasion. I get it. Stuff happens. But if you're continually making, well, why are you doing, well, you know, I, here's what I hear all the time. Well, I want to provide nice things for my family. I understand you, want, you, you need to provide for your family, but if it came down to you know, extra stuff or whatever, or you, they want you. Your family needs you more than they need stuff. They need you more than they need stuff. And if you're consistently choosing something over your family, then that's actually what your value is. Okay, it's... It's work, and then God, and then, or maybe family, and uh, you know, whatever it is. What, is. what is your life and the direction of your life? What would it, how would it answer the question, what your values are? And you need to decide, what do you value? Because you can come up with all the excuses and the reasons, and you can make yourself believe them, and you might even be able to make somebody else believe them. All that is is deception. It may not be intentional, but it's, it is what it is. So be honest. Hey, I get it. There's times something comes up, and you got to go, hey, guys, I've you know, got to go help somebody, or i gotta, I got to deal with this, and you got to be gone for a while. But if it's just a regular thing, then you've decided that making money is more important than your family. I know that sounds harsh, but it's just the truth. Or you've decided that the hobbies that you have are more important than serving God. You know, people, I hear, well, you know, I can worship God out in the outside or out in a deer blind or on the back of a horse. I'll say, yeah, you can and you should. You ought to. The Bible tells us we all worship God, no matter what we do. Whether we eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. 
You know what it also says? It says, don't neglect the gathering together. The, the church is the bride of Christ. And that's not, when it's talking, anytime the church, with, with only one or two exceptions, when it says church, it's talking about a church, a local body of believers. That's where God's power is divested. It's through the church. And so you, you can't, it's just like going up to somebody and saying, well, hey man, I really like you, but your wife, mm-mm. How well is that going to go? You're talking about the bride of Christ. Now, the bride of Christ right now is not perfect. Jesus is going to make us perfect. We're in his presence. And so, well, you know, the church is just a bunch of messed up people. Yeah. Well, there's hypocrites there. Yes. Every other kind of sin you can imagine is represented here too. But Jesus didn't say, well, if y'all ain't, hey, if, if, if only perfect people were allowed in there, none of us would be here. And anybody that says, well, I ain't going because they ain't perfect, they wouldn't be allowed here either. But that's not how it is. Jesus tells us to be a part. It's clear in Scripture to be a part of the church. So be determined. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Be, be determined about it before you do it. You don't make a decision about how are we going to take care of this thing? How, what, are, what is our value going to be? How are we going to reflect that value? You know, I, I'm not saying you can't ever miss church. Everybody's going to miss. But make it the exception and not the rule. Hey, if you woke up this morning or some morning and said, hey, we're going to church, and your kids are like, what? What are we doing that for? You might need to make a change. That's all I'm saying. What do you value? When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. And then you got to live by your values. Daniel 1.8. And this is something, you know, I, I love this verse. It says, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He was determined. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. But you know what? He'd already determined he wasn't going to do it before he even asked permission. You catch that? He didn't say, well, let's just see, and then you know we'll do whatever he says. It would have required him to eat things that were forbidden by, his, by the law that he lived under. He was determined not to defile himself. Then he went and asked permission. And you know what? It was because he was determined ahead of time. God, I believe God granted him favor. And the guy said, okay, we'll try it and see how it works out. And it turned out at the end of the, the trial period that they were healthier and performing better than those who were eating otherwise. So he let them continue. But see, Daniel didn't go to him with the, hey, you know what? Let's just see how it happens. He was determined not to. And then guess what? God opened a way. That's what God does. You know, we don't get to see the way all the time beforehand. When Daniel determined not to eat that food, it didn't look like there was any way out. It was by the king's order. But he chose 
He said, I, this is, he set his face like stone. He determined he was not going to defile himself. And then what happened? Then God opened the door. You see, we sit around thinking, well, if God opens the door for me to be able to do that and it not cost me anything and it be fine, then I'll do it. But that's not how it works. We have to be stone-faced beforehand. And then we realize that we have a God who is in the business of making water in deserts and pathways in the wilderness and doing the impossible. Be stone-faced. You know what? One of the greatest examples was this. There's a couple things the Scriptures tell us. Jesus is eternal. He's been with the Father eternally. Jesus was around and was a part of, of everything that was created, the creation of the earth, the creation of you in your mother's womb. Jesus was a part of that creation. But it's also clear in Scripture that the plan for Jesus to die on the cross happened before God even created the earth. The lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. So guess what? Jesus came down and created the earth and was part of the creation of man and the creation of every man all the way up till knowing everybody that he created that it was going to cost him his life. He knew before he created Adam that when he did that, it was going to cost him his life, that he was going to be slain. You know, one of the amazing things to me is because God's God, he knew when he created the Roman soldiers that were going to gamble below his cross, he knew who they were when he created them. When he created the hands that were going to nail him to the cross, he knew who they were then. He created the mouth that spat upon him. He created the hand that whipped him with the cat of, th the cat of nine tails. He created the mouth that proclaimed, let him be crucified. He created all of them knowing what was coming. He made the decision ahead of time. It was already decided. And yet he created us. What an act of love. And so, as a final thought, I want to just encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that's how much God loves you. He loved you enough to create you knowing that it was going to cost his life. And even knowing you were going to, we were all going to break his heart, that we were all going to sin. He loved us enough to commit to die for us even before we sinned. And so here's the deal. It, it, our way of salvation is through Jesus. It's through a relationship with him. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by him. And to receive that forgiveness that comes through Revelation, number one, we have to admit that we're sinners for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We ask forgiveness of our sins, and we turn away from them. That's repentance. And then the second thing is we've got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He wasn't just some guy, he's God's son. He died on the cross for my sins and for yours.
and he rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the third thing, and and this goes back to everything we've been talking about today, is when you come to a relationship with Jesus, you you just bring everything you have, everything you are. You don't go fix it first. That's not how it works. You come just as you are, and you give everything. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So when you come to Christ, begin a relationship, you come saying, you're God. You're my Lord. I'm going to follow your way and your will. You'll fail at it. We all do. But if you'd like to know your sins are forgiven and that you have a right relationship with God and that that relationship's going to carry on for eternity, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're online watching and that's you, you do the same thing where you're at. I'm going to pray this prayer of salvation and you can repeat it after me. You can pray it in your own words. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. Pray it with me now. Dear God, thank you for creating me and loving me. I know I've sinned. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up, you don't have to say anything. I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. You prayed that prayer, look up at me, okay? All right? Okay? Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you tell someone. If you came with your parents, tell them. If you came with a friend, tell them. If you came by yourself, come tell one of us. We'd love for you to do that anyway. As a matter of fact, we would like to sit down and talk with you for a few minutes. We can do it on the phone. We can do it in person. Answer any questions you have and also talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We don't want anything from you. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to bug you about it. We just want to help. And so there'll be a staff member right here at the beginning, at the end of the service, excuse me, after we pray to dismiss. They'd love to set up a time with you, or we can talk to you today. Or you can text. There's a number on the screen. Just text, I did it, or decision to that number. There's a QR code there as well. It's in your bulletin. You can open it with that. But let somebody know that you made that decision. And we'd love to hear from you and talk to you. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. Whatever you need, we'd love to help you in your new walk with Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for allowing us to be a part of those that have come to a saving knowledge of of you today. Father, we thank you for your blessings, for your promises, for your word, for your will. And Father, we know all those things are meant for our good, to give us a future and to give us a hope. Father, help us to live in your direction by following decisions that honor you. Lord, we thank you for this day. 
Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.